Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young from Indianapolis, Indiana, and my co-host is Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This podcast is coming to you ad-free, but before we begin, I want to tell you about the Dynamic Marching Shop. One way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com. Sign up for some or all of our awesome courses and instructional videos. You can also purchase products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web. On things like shoes, rifles, podiums, megavoxes, and flagpoles. I know that many times you just continue to order your products from the same people every year, but if you look at our prices, you might change your mind. We even offer deeper discounts on large orders please give us a chance to win your business. So Bobby, today we uh, get to talk about professional development for people who don't want to talk about professional development. Is that, is that right? Oh, Jeff, I haven't, I haven't went further, and I said it's professional development for people who hate professional development. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's it's everybody. Because, right. Well, it's because we're so tainted. The professional development that we have at our schools very rarely applies to the music folk. And so we, when we hear professional development, we're like, oh, boy, we're going to do some sharing circles, or we're going to do some activities and all that stuff. And, and it uh, – it has a bit of a negative connotation. Let's start, Bobby, with the most ridiculous story that <laughs> about professional development that you have. I'm going to go ahead and start because I it d- came to mind immediately, and that is we played name volleyball. Excellent. You had to say the person's name and pretend like you were hitting a ball over a pretend volleyball net to the other side. And then that person had to do the same. And this went on for 10 minutes. And I remember looking at, I don't know if it was Chris Crakey who was in the room with me or somebody else that I was really good friends with. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And I have a feeling you used more graphic language than, are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Likely. Oh, buddy i've got i've got one as well i can remember doing one that was on racial awareness which is is great like honestly i was actually looking forward to this but it 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 turned into a very negative very aggressive kind of thing and i remember answering a couple of questions and and they were like well you wouldn't really understand because you're white or you're Mm -hmm. this or you're that and i was like well no um that's not exactly right. And, you know, but this went on for a full day. And then the next day and anything I said was wrong Mm -hmm. and unaware. And then the next day when it came out that I came from the Indian reservation, I became a freaking genius. Uh I mean, it was, and and so, which told me that like, so we're not really doing what we said we were going to do with like figuring out ways to communicate better way, awareness, all that. When you just say that everybody's wrong, I think that's my biggest thing with professional development. Sometimes people come in to tell you how wrong you've been. Uh huh. You're like, oh, I just and, want to get better. I, yeah. yeah, like everybody, we all want to get better, but we've we've had our time wasted so much that professional development has such a negative connotation. So we hope that this episode gives you some ways to do it that aren't as painful as going and sitting through an eight-hour, you know discussion on your feelings. Right. Cause any, yeah. anything the school is, is going to put on is likely to be something that doesn't quite fit with that band life. Let's right. be honest. Um, exactly. you know, even as a, I, you know, I had a number of years of science teaching and even then there were a number of times where I'm like, Oh, I could see how this would be great for X teacher, but not, not in my classroom, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, let's, well, let's start Bobby. Let's talk yeah, about absolutely. some things that, that are actually can be really fun and really helpful. And I think the, the, the first thing on my list, um, is conventions. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think if it's just as small as say the local university, uh, for example, university of South Carolina has a thing called USC band clinic. 
you nominate kids for it, and you can go up and watch the rehearsals. There are two honor bands from the area that come and play, and they always have just like one or two real, real straightforward but very useful clinics that are there. So if, it, if it's something maybe smaller and more concentrated, that's great. You then graduate up to maybe saying a, a summer group, a summer camp with different things that are there. That's always a great thing. And then, then looking toward Midwest. If you've never been to Midwest, go. It, it's overwhelming, yeah. but go. You got to go. Yeah, I just got back from two trips to conventions. I did Michigan two weeks ago and then um, Ohio this past weekend. And they have some things in common. You know, you've always got the um, the expo hall, which is where I was hanging out with the Music for All booth. And, you know, if you ever wanted to learn more about travel companies or fundraising or you want to try out an instrument or two, that's the spot to be. But the real magic uh, you know, for you as a teacher is happening in the classrooms and you really, you know, you got to pick and choose, but hopefully it's somebody from your area or at least, you know, right. your state that has something worthwhile to share that, you know, maybe can make you better. And I'm going to say this probably multiple times in this show. It's not so much about, you know, these three pieces of information. It's about starting to build relationships with people who are better than you. Yeah. And th that could be the clinician who's speaking. That could be the, uh, you know, someone that you, you meet along the way. I, I'll give this piece of advice. Uh, and I, I meant to even put it before the convention part, but pick a focus. I, I remember the first few times I went to Midwest, I was on information overload. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have no idea. Well, I remember the first time I did it was maybe the third year. And I was we were starting a jazz band at Marion and I knew very little. I had played in plenty of jazz bands, but as far as the pedagogy, I had no idea. And so I really focused that Midwest on going to every jazz inspired clinic that I could go to. And I learned a ton. It was hmm. fantastic. So, so just, for that one you, year, like you, you said, just, that one year you just kind of absolutely. focused on that one thing, but you know, maybe other right. times you went to clinics, you focused on something else. I did like uh, the next year. I remember it very clearly. I went on brass. I, I, I felt like I could really teach the woodwind pedagogy, especially to younger players, but the brass, I, I could do really well with advanced players. But when it came to just like, why do I have to use the third valve slide on my trumpet? Mm -hmm. Like I, I was like, well, I know it makes it more in tune, but uh, I, I don't know. And then when I, I went to a, a clinic all about uh, partials and overtones, and it was like, oh, my gosh, it's all math. I got it. That makes perfect sense now. Mm -hmm. So I, I just I learned that if I could go in, and even if it's not a hard and fast thing, but more like a, hey, if I, I, I remember having to switch kids to bassoon. And there were two bassoon clinics at Midwest. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to those two. Just finding, finding a focus whenever you go to these conventions. And maybe you said travel. Hey, if you haven't traveled with your group, say, I'm going to go to all the travel companies. And you start with the question, why should I choose you? Right. And boy, they'll tell you. Yeah, I've, I've got a real uh, hack for conventions, too. And oh, that is go, go to a session. And if, if it resonated with you make it your job to find them at Kitty O'Shea's later. And for those of you who have been to Midwest, you know what Kitty O'Shea's is. It's like the bar at Midwest that everyone kind of hangs out at, at the Hilton, but, um, or something similar to that. For, for example, this weekend in Ohio, I was at a reception on Thursday night and I met this guy named Micah and he was like, what are you doing tomorrow? Because we started talking about visual and I was like, well, I have, I'm standing in the music for all booth all day. And he said, can I just come pick your brain? And I was like, of course, I don't want to stand in the booth, not talking to right. people. And he right. spent hour, maybe 90 minutes with me. And we went through how he teaches visual and how I do it. And I just, I kind of like filled in some of the gaps that he had. And, and also there were some things where he's like, Oh, I do that. And you're like, and so I reinforced how that's great that you're doing that. And I just, I, I felt so proud of him because yes. he just reached out and he's like, can I use some of your time? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, of course, because most of us are like that. Right. And Jeff, I remember doing the exact same thing to you. 
I remember meeting you at the summer symposium a few years ago. Well, now it's been <laughs> since 2013. Yeah. Uh, but I remember doing the exact same thing with you and saying, Hey man, I've gotten the videos. I've watched what you do. And, and just, can I, can I ask you about this? And it's incredible. It, it, when you go to a state convention and those are great too, just wait till the end of the session. Most people will clear out and just go up and introduce yourself and, most people will have a card they want they want to connect just as much as you do oh, so yeah. that making those making those connections is just as important as the information that's disseminated in the sessions so the the conventions i think are one of the easiest but sometimes one of the most intimidating uh ways that we can do some professional development without it being painful Right. And I know a lot of people go in and listen to the concerts at conventions too. And, you yes. know, not that it's a clinic, but in some ways it is, it's like, Oh, I've, I kind of wanted to play that piece. Now I kind of hear how somebody else would do it, or that's a brand that's right. new piece. That's grade three. And I've been looking for something like that. Uh, Lakota right. West had a great concert this weekend. And, um, you know, I, I, Andrew Carr came up and he said, he said, just so everybody knows this says it's a grade two, but it's definitely not. You know, I was like, that's kind of cool in the middle of a concert to be honest with your audience and just yes. help them out. Cause they might, they might really need a grade too. And they buy that one and in over their heads immediately. Right. Well, piggybacking off of what you just said, I think the next uh, form of professional development that you're not going to hate is going to the honor bands that mm -hmm. are in your area, whether that's a all district, all region, all area, all state, whatever. And for me, I think that there is an absolute critical time that you need to be observing the rehearsal, and that's the first hour. Mm. You know, choose one of the conductors and go in and watch the first hour. Because to me, that, that's absolutely pivotal as to whether this concert's going to be great, good, or poor. That's I a good point. Only, yeah, I think there are only three options when you have an honor band. It's either going to be great or be good. Or it could be poor. And that first hour tells me everything I need to know. Because that's where the, the conductor really kind of he establishes this is how he or she is going to run this rehearsal. These are the expectations. And these are the models of sound or of uh, intonation or, or technique or whatever that we are going to adhere so I am, I am always looking to try and spend the first hour while the conductors are getting, you know, everything set. I think that that's, I think you can learn more from the first hour than the rest of the time combined. And uh, kind of like watching an honor band, I guess, so, you know, at, at Summer Symposium, we often will have directors come out and watch um, an individual rehearsal with the marching band division at camp. And, and I'm, right. I'm sure the drum major is same thing um, is that you're just watching great teachers do what they do and there's nothing structured about it. It's just like, okay, how, what are the, what are the first <laughs> things that Chris Catholic says to the marching band students? And you're going right. to be like, Oh, that's a good way of starting this whole process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got, I had the pleasure of a couple of years ago seeing Jacqueline Hartenberger, She's uh, one of the band directors at the University of Georgia, and she's fantastic. I saw her working our all-region band, and, and I, I, took very, I took copious notes on the first hour of what she did. And as I go back, I'm, I'm actually driving right now to go into a region band, and I read through those notes again last night and was like, man, you could tell that she really knew exactly what she wanted to accomplish in that first hour, and I want to make sure that I do the same thing for my honor band. I think that for it translates to us band directors of what do we want in the first reading of a piece that we're going to prepare for a concert festival. And there's, there's nothing better than a, um, a session about how to really get kids invested in music fast. Hmm. And that's where I think the honor band is one of the best professional developments without being a professional development. Do directors often hang around uh, and watch the honor band rehearsals? I, I think, I think a lot do. And I even think several will kind of float back and forth, but that's what I usually, after I watch that first hour, I'll float back and forth. I want to see how the nine ten group does. I want to see how the middle school group is doing because sometimes you see some of the best teaching in that middle school honor band, but I, I just like to float and then, 
you know, you kind of go and shoot the breeze with some directors, but you don't want to stay there too long because everyone's having the worst year ever. <laughs> gotcha. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is worse than it's ever been. This, the kids are worse. The music's not as good. We're going slower. Yep. Uh, I, I got it. And then go back in and see, you know, it's not only seeing these conductors work. It's about seeing these kids who are passionate about what they're doing. Like that's, that's exciting to me. I, yeah. I love seeing that. Wow. So high school kids, middle school kids can really get that excited about the person Kenny pageant. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I remember that now and I remember why I'm doing this. So the honor band is kind of number two on our list of professional developments that, uh, aren't so professionally developing and won't bore you to tears. That's good advice. The next one on your list is uh, clinicians. So whether yeah. they're live or video, uh, I think this is great advice is that, and we, we've preached this on our podcast for years, and that is, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody because they're likely going to help you. It's, it's so scary to have somebody come in your band room. We just had, <laughs> uh, we're stupid. We just uh, three weeks ago had Timothy Ray from, um, Texas A&M, okay. wonderful conductor, and Bray Kramer uh, oh. in to clinic the bands. Yeah, that didn't suck at all. Super chill. But it's but it's 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 nerve wracking getting the kids ready. It's we're we're doing the Persichetti Symphony and the fourth movement, which is a bear to play. We just hadn't spent the time yet. We just didn't have the time to spend, and so I was I was so scared. I almost told him, "Don't bother with the fourth movement. We're not ready." He was like, "Well, that's my that's why I'm here." to help you get ready. Yeah. And that, that was, that really struck me that, that the folks that you bring in, if you bring in the right people, they are there to help you and they want to help you and they become invested in your kids and you. So they're, they're, they're kind of like these great coaches that are coming in to, to tell you the things that are going right and the things that need to be adjusted so that they can go easier for you. That's their point. How much communication ahead of time did you do with um, Dr. Kramer and, and your other clinician about what exactly, how much time you wanted them to spend and what, mm -hmm. you know, how, how much do you want them to do versus just listen and give notes? Absolutely. That's a really great question. We try to be as specific as we can. Like we tell them, here's, here's the time layout. Uh, and the biggest point that we make is, we do not want you to do a concert. Now, now some groups really are very intense about that, and, and that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I have found in doing these, if you tell me I have to do a concert, I'll get them through a concert, but we'll, we'll have a lot of details left undone. Yeah, because yeah, I'm skip spending a few the time. steps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Like the details will go out the window. And that's, to me, that's the point of doing this. I don't want you to learn this piece incorrectly just to get through it. But for some folks, they would rather have it there in a performance so that they can you know, put it out there and for the parents to see what's going on. I, again, no, there's no wrong way to do that. But I'm very specific with our clinicians about, hey, here's what we've done. Here's, here are our greatest areas of concern. You know, maybe the woodwinds are a little bit weak or maybe the percussion are struggling with something. And, and then we, we kind of say, there's some things that we know will fix themselves. Like the low brass is playing a little rough right now, but we know that will work itself out. You don't need to worry about that as much. But past that, once I tell them what we're playing, I, I don't want to give them a whole lot more. I want them to give me their honest and uh, clearest opinion of how we're doing. And I, I would say good advice to band directors out there is make sure you put in some homework ahead of them showing up so that exactly you know, right. you're using <laughs> their strengths as, as, as best you can. You know, there have been a number of times I've gone in to do visual clinics and I didn't know what I was doing or how long I was doing it. And it's just, it, it creates a sense of anxiety on your way there. That's right. It's always fine once you get going with the students, but I want to know, okay, I'm going to do two hours, but then I'm going to have an hour break. And then I'm going to do another four hours. I like to mentally plan out, you know, what I'm going to do over those two days. And, you know, uh, kind of like bringing in a clinician is using videos of clinicians. And to be honest, right. this is how dynamic marching got its start back in 2005 is 
we really wanted uh, a resource that we could leave with. This was Chris Mader and I who co-founded the company. And we were like, the, the band director from Murray, Kentucky was like, can you write all that down? And I was like, we just did an eight hour clinic. Uh, that's, that's a lot right. of writing. And so right. what that turned into was the very first video that we created to help band directors learn how to teach visual. Now it's, it's a dinosaur now and it's been retired, but we, <laughs> you know, 12 or 15 videos later, um, you know, there's lots of resources on dynamic marching for marching band related content. Uh, we even have a right. few, few concert, concert band videos, band. but have you seen any other resources out there uh, for concert band or jazz that you've used? Well, but not so much videos. I There are several books. Uh, there's a series called Rehearsing the Band. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it's on either the second or third edition of that, which I think is brilliant. The first edition has some, you know, icons of the industry. Mark Hinesley, uh, Fred Fennell, some of their thoughts on their top 10 pieces that they would do and just some some general ideas that are there. The second one has some of the more, uh, I, I want to say this carefully, some of the folks that are still in the field uh, and doing some great things, some yep. more uh, recent conductors talking about the same thing. I mean, just wonderful resources. There, there is the Ed Lisk uh, alternative rehearsal techniques, which is fun. Like I, I tr I've tried using it several times over my career, and it, it just hasn't resonated with me always. But I know some people who live and die by that technique. There's mm -hmm. a book by Eddie Green. There's a group by, uh, uh, oh gosh, I lost her, her first name, Jago, uh, in Ohio, like Shelly, who, wonderful ideas. And, and they, they give you a blueprint. Well, Scott Rush, Habits mm -hmm. of Successful Band. Mm -hmm. uh, all of those resources, like just choosing one and saying, this one's going to be my... Uh, my policy or my Bible for the year. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to apply it to what we're doing. There are several great resources that I would encourage. Again, it's, it's professional development that, that isn't terrible and it's really applicable. Yeah. To finish this idea of the clinicians though, let, let me say this. You are going to feel scared and that's okay. I, yeah. I did. I don't quite realize how intense this is until I talk to directors when they when they ask me to come in. I, I you know, the day or two before I call them, just kind of submit some details. and They're so scared. I'm like, your band is great. I'm, I'm just coming in to maybe hear some things or reinforce some things you're already doing. And but they yeah. we all we all tend to tie our self-worth into how our kids do every single day. Well, you know, you and I both have our own children. And if my self-worth were defined by how my two children acted all the time, I no, I would be done. Yeah, it so wouldn't work. We, yeah. No, absolutely. We are all trying to make better sounds, better kids. And we know it's not perfect, but there is, I, I would say the singular best thing that I ever did was bringing in clinicians to work with the top band, the second band, the third band, everybody. And we have grown, and I personally have grown exponentially from that. I, so I've heard Richard Saucedo say the same thing a million times. You yeah. Know, and, and people bring in Richard Saucedo and Bobby uh, Lambert Bobby to come Lambert listen brought, to their but, groups. <laughs> I know? brought in Richard Saucedo. So. Yeah. <laughs> but we were, we were working wind sprints, and it was so, we, actually, each band was doing a Richard Saucedo piece. It was yeah. so cool to hear him talk about that. You remember this, Jeff? There's a place in wind sprints where he does this metric, uh, a cello rondo where you start in fours, then it goes to five, and then it goes to six, and it just sounds faster when it really doesn't. And we we were even like, Mr. Saucedo, what, what you know? This kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere. What what was your thought behind this? And he was like, the low brass that year was really full of themselves. And they thought they were a little <laughs> bit better than they really were. And so I put this in there to make sure that they, you know, gain some humility because they couldn't play it for a long time. And I thought that is perfect. That's a great we, we background. Yeah. Yeah. We sometimes feel like there are these grand gestures from these composers. And sometimes there is, but sometimes there's just, they wanted to teach something. 
and they found this medium to do it. And my kids played it better just knowing that little bit of the story. Behind mm-hmm. it. That's awesome. great. Yeah. So yeah. what else? What else? Uh, I think you have on your list here, rehearsal observations. Um, this yeah, is great this advice. Is, yeah. Yeah. This is one where you got to get out of your band room. You, you just need, you need to go and watch some people. Sometimes, I, and I'll say this, I don't necessarily love going to watch college directors conduct just because it's such a different game. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these music majors. Maybe if you went to a school, if you had a school co- nearby that did not have music majors, that might be more applicable. But when I go and see music majors working with their conductors, there's a dynamic there that I don't know that we can share at the high school level. But going and watching other high school directors, good, bad, and ugly, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> You'll find you'll find one thing that you feel like, oh man, that's great. I'm totally stealing that. Or you'll find several things where you're like, okay, I thought I was I thought about using this, and now I see I shouldn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just getting out, getting outside your band room. I don't know if I talked about this yet on the podcast, but this summer I was in Dallas and I was I was helping a group uh, on in the Frisco area, Wakeland High School, and I had an afternoon where I really didn't have a lot going on at work and or at this marching band. And so I uh, contacted Andy Seeley and Travis Pruitt over at Hebron. <laughs> and I just yeah. said, can I just come watch your rehearsal? And I'm sure some people w- would be like, that's just weird. Why would you, you have an afternoon off or an evening off? Why would you go watch marching band? And I just wanted to see, I've heard Hebron before. I just wanted to see what they were doing, whether they, it was their magic potion. I, I didn't know, you know, you know like, cause they're amazing. Right. And the rehearsal yes. was everything. It was more than I thought it would be, it, it, but it wasn't right. like superhuman. It was just the, the level of talent of the teachers and students just blew me away, but I needed to go experience it. And and then the next day I was like, okay, well today I'm going to go to flower mound. And so, I, you know, Brent and Jana uh, allowed me to uh, come out who there are amazing and, people. Holy cow, like the way that they tag team rehearsal and um, the, I don't know, it was just really neat to see the similarities and the differences and and just meet new people that I don't get to to hang out with on a regular basis. So highly recommend that most people are going to say, yeah, sure, come on out. Stand on the tower if you want to. Well, and I I will tell you, like, if you remember... Uh, Carmel hired me to do some leadership and drum major work for them. And I said, sure. If you'll let me come out and watch a rehearsal. Yeah. If I can stand on the tower <laughs> for an hour. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and I did. And I learned a ton. It was great. I, I don't know that I've walked away after I've done a couple of rehearsal observations. I don't know that I would walk away saying like, I now know how to do a better than B. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you after I've done it a few times, I find that my rehearsals, run more smoothly just because it's first and foremost in my mind and, and just trying to, to maybe not repeat some of the issues that I saw or to address some of the issues that I, like when I see a band director rehearsing more efficiently than myself, all the arms for me to do it better for the kids. Right. Like I know I'm, I know I should do that lesson plan better, but I, you know, I just don't feel like I need to until I see it done so well that it's like, okay, that's, that's the deal. So getting outside your comfort zone, i.e. your band room and just going and watching for a day is incredible. You might have to do it on a holiday or something, but you know, where your school has sure. the afternoon off and another school doesn't, but you know, it was, right. you know, the days of asking for professional development days are gone for at least, I hope it's not permanent, but it seems that way. Well, I think it depends on where you are. Um, ours is still pretty open to it. I don't know exactly how much credit they would give you, but I think they would give you the day off with enough uh, with enough uh, knowledge ahead of time. Yeah. So it, it just depends on where you are, and I I think that's better than just some some talking head coming in to talk to you about uh, you know the the way that you teach English to students. Yep. 
Another good yeah. thing that uh, directors could do is take an online course of some kind. We at Dynamic Marching have. I was going to say, couple. Jeff, do you know of a, an online course <laughs> yeah. that uh, could be useful here? Yeah. Shameless plug. Bobby and I have two courses. One's about show design. And it's really accessible. It takes a few weeks to go through, but at the end of the process, you will have, you know, pretty much picked out, if not every part of your marching band show, at least the roadmap of, of how you're going to get there. And then we did another course called Total Program Success, which if you're new to this channel, you might not have heard of. And it's a three or four week process of, and we recommend you do this in like January or August right. or something, but it's like a fresh restart and evaluation of where your program is and where you want it to be and how to get there. Just to let you know, we had our, we had a show design three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and I used our show design template to kind of go through and make sure I was asking the right questions and setting the right calendar. I, that's one of the things I like about that class. I remember getting done with it going, holy crap, this is incredible. Why have I never really done this? Yeah. <laughs> this way. And so now every year since we've used it and man, it talk about taking some, some heat off yourself. It just lays everything out for you. So check that out. Shameless plug, but I, there are plenty of other online courses. There's some from Vandercook. There's some from American band college. There's, there's all kinds of things, or even just taking a lesson, a conducting mm -hmm. lesson from maybe the local university. Most of those folks would be happy to do that. Sometimes they'll charge you, sometimes not, but just saying like, Hey, we're working on the whole suite in E flat. Can I spend an hour and just take a lesson on that? And that conductor will sit you down and say, okay, in movement one, you need to watch out for this, this, and mm -hmm. this. And right here, I always try to conduct this in this way. That's, that's three weeks of information in about two minutes. I did not know that band directors did that. You know, uh, until last year, I was talking with uh, Diashimar over at Lawrence and he was saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I've been taking conducting lessons. And I was like, good on you, man. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. So, you know, that's not necessarily an online course, but I think we could put it here of, of that one on one lesson uh, with local university folks, if, especially if you have a smaller college nearby. Those folks are happy to do that. It builds a, a connection between you, your program, and them, and it just furthers music. Uh, and that's what we're all about, I hope, I think. Yeah, or even a re so, retired band director from your area. Right. Somebody you, exactly. you've seen them conduct exactly. and you respect them, and you're like, I kind of want to look like that when I'm doing this piece. Oh, that's, you, you, man, that's, that's awesome. I was talking with Greg Bim the other day, and um, I was talking to him about how several folks, Alfred Watkins, a few of them travel around and, and are just kind of like uh, mentors and coaches for, for these band directors and how necessary it is. Now. Yeah. The college education and, and not to poo-poo college programs, they're, they're doing a lot, but no one can set you up for everything that's going to hit you in the band room. Not, not and even you just close. Can't. Not even close. So, so if you're feeling burnt out, well, it's because you are underserved. Yeah. You do not have all of the resources to handle the emotional, intellectual, artistic, and emotional needs of a program. Financial. Nobody does. Business. Yeah. 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 yeah f physical, logistical, all those things. I mean, that total program success, I think, gives you an idea of what those things are. But they, it really just helps you identify the problems. And that's a huge step, but you still need to be able to talk to people who can help you. Here's step one. Yeah. Here's step two. Here's step, and I'm, I'm going to walk you through this as you go. We have so many life coaches out there. I mean, people are making tons of money as a life coach. I want to be a band coach, yeah. a, a director coach. Like I, I, and I'm sort of being serious yeah. about that. I, I, I want to have somebody who I talk to once a month or twice a month. Let's check in. How are you doing? How are things? Now let's talk about how your trombones are doing. Have you done this exercise yet? Have you got this in place? Have you done this? There's too much to do. 
for yeah. the, the successful, effective band director. And I mean that on every level, elementary, middle, college, high school, there's too much. And you, you need help in going through that. And that's where those online classes or those one-on-one interactions can be um, a lifesaver. And before we move on from this, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a member of Dynamic Marching, I, I wouldn't even call it a shameless plug. I'm really proud of the work we did yes. designing curriculum to help band directors. And, uh, you know, of yes. all the professional things I've done in my life, I'm much more proud of the videos on dynamic marching than any grand national championship Carmel ever won when I was there. It is, you know, yeah. and, and these courses that Bobby and I created, though everything we've ever done is like 75 bucks a year. You know, it's nothing right. in, in, in the grand scheme of a budget for a marching band. Everyone really needs to sign right. up for it. If for nothing else, those two courses and then the the system, which Chris Catholic and I did together on how to how to build yep. a build and maintain a, a visual program from the ground up. So not a shameless plug, but just hey, well, an admission I, that yeah. we're proud of it. Yeah. And I would tell you this, Jeff. And you may not understand, you, well, maybe you do, you probably do since you're uh, with your instrument. I just bought Tom Crown straight mutes yeah. uh, for my trumpet players. I, our class, our, our subscription is less than one trumpet. There you go. <laughs> I mean, come, come on. on. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> you're going to spend five grand on a drill writer, but you're not going to know how to clean it. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. It is. It, I, I know, it, and everybody, if you haven't listened to us very much, we are not trying to peddle our wares. We really aren't. We are really looking for folks who are struggling. My goal with dynamic marching, and Jeff, I think, would, would say the same thing. We want to make sure that we are um, enriching and ensuring great teaching for the next the yeah. years. What I see more often than not are people who are in their 10th through 15th year of teaching when they should be really hitting the ground running, leaving. Yeah. You know, it, it's sort of like it, it's sort of like getting your performance degree and never performing. Like you finally have all the tools and resources in place to get yourself there and you just need kind of, you know, a little bit more to go. But they get so burnt out because they didn't have all everything they needed. And it's frustrating. Yeah. I believe us, we know. So we're we're not. Look, I mean, you know, when you look at how much did dynamic marketing make last year? Well, let's see. I think we had a dinner. Yeah. We had a really nice <laughs> dinner at Midwest. We had, enough, <laughs> we had a really nice dinner at Midwest, so we made that much. We're not looking to to try and just sell our stuff. We want you wherever you are to to go through something that we put together and stay teaching 10, 15, 20 yeah. more years. That's our bottom and line. Honestly, like my favorite thing, and I texted Bobby this when I was in Ohio last week, is um, I was at a reception for a travel company, and this guy came up to me, and he's like, you're Jeff Young. You and Bobby have that podcast. I listen to every episode. <laughs> I, what are you doing here? And I was just like, hey, there's that one listener. I texted Bobby, and I was like, <laughs> this is so cool. Like, people listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I and I have to, you know, it's it's great. I listen. We just released our our middle school podcast, middle school band director podcast. It's fifty five minutes long. You know how I know that? I sat and listened to every moment mm -hmm. of it. I mean, we just did it, but I was just I, I I was reprocessing everything that was said on there, and I thought this is like three clinics at Midwest right here. It's about retention. It's about recruitment, and it's about better mental and emotional. Health. And here's what's cool. I'm looking at the, the an analytics right now, 492 of you listened to that episode. That means at least half of those people were better in the classroom the next day. So that's right. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what we're saying is there, there are a lot of ways to, to develop what you are yeah. doing. And, and we have a couple more to go through. Let's, let's get through, go on to our list. I, I said varied recordings. And what I mean by that is you and your students listening to maybe three different versions of a piece that you listen mm. to. Listen to the North Texas version. It will be clear and precise. Absolutely. 
listen to Northwestern or Michigan State or University of Michigan or wherever, or Rice or Indiana, anybody, listen to those recordings. Listen to the one of the Marine, uh, the Marine Band, the Air Force, the Army, any one of the armed services. Even take time in class because you'll hear very different takes. Absolutely. That, that helps a ton. And the next thing on your list, Bobby, is sectionals. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and this is one of those things where when I'm doing a pretty heavy piece, like I mentioned the Persichetti Symphony, we're doing that right now in Symphonic Band. And gosh, I wish I had enough time to go through every single part and every single movement with a fine-tooth comb. But sometimes I, I just don't. And I'll, I'll send the kids out and say, okay, we're working on this part of the third movement, or we just finished the fourth movement. And I'll say, I want you to come back and tell me one thing that you worked on. And they come back. And I, for example, my trumpets were showing me a place where like, oh, there's an articulation thing that's a little bit suspect right here. And I did some digging. We found out that it is indeed right. But there's one place where the trumpet part articulates something, but everyone around them is slurring it. Yeah. When I finally figured out why it was happening, but I, I was like, gosh, I would have never caught that. It's really embedded in a couple of things, but it's, it's important. There's a reason why I think he did it that way. Sectionals can help you really find those things. And some of you would say, well, my kids could never run a sectional. Okay. There's where your professional development needs to start. Yeah. How do I train them? How do I train them? Able to do that consistently and, and effectively. That's exactly right. They, if you can't, and, and you can't just sit let them loose. If you heard what I said, I told them we're working on measure one through 60 in the fourth movement. I want you to go through that section. You're going to have 15, 20 minutes. So not long, not enough time. You're going to have to be very efficient as you go. And I want you to come in and tell me the biggest thing that you feel like is going to trip you up in this spot. They went out. I walked around and listened. We came back and we played measure one through 60 better than if I had rehearsed it for the last hour. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is everything perfect? No, but it drew my attention to some places and it drew the kids attention to some places. So starting out really small saying, we're going to take just these first 10 minutes I want you to go out and get your section in tune. When you come back, I'm going to have you play in front of the class and you show us how in tune you are. Like that challenge alone is, is, is enough. That would be something for maybe a younger band to do. And it's, it's awesome. So those, those sectionals I think are really powerful. And to piggyback along with that, my, my last on my list is chamber groups. We have every kid in chamber groups in all four of the concert bands. And I would say that besides our solo competition, the chamber group uh, experience is maybe the single most effective piece that we do. Every time we stop what we're doing. And we have a whole podcast on we that have a whole podcast. Uh, from last That's year. That's right. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. But just it allows the kids to take ownership. And there's a professional development in that. When you can step back and let them do, I, I think it takes a lot of courage to let the kids run their own rehearsals. And if they don't do it well, well, then we have to talk about how to do that better. I'll say this. I became a much better cooperating teacher, meaning working with my, my fellow band directors and my department people and uh, a supervising teacher for student teachers, I became much better at that when I started doing the chamber group process better. Really? Because I had to, oh yeah, absolutely. When I had student teachers before, it was, hey, watch me for a week and then don't screw up. I think that's most people's experience with student teaching. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But now it's, hey, screw up. And let's talk about how we come back from that. Yeah. Like the only way that you learn is by doing some things wrong. Yeah. If you don't know how to do it wrong, you don't know how to do it right. 
Well, most of what we talked about today isn't necessarily college credit. I know a lot of people, you know, are interested in getting their master's degree. And there are some programs out there you can look into. Obviously, we don't have time to get into all of that. I was one of the when I was in Michigan, the booth next to me was Michigan, University of Michigan. And sounds like they have a great summer master's degree program. Um, You know, some of my friends have gone through ABC. Um, You did Vandercook, I believe. Is that right? Um, actually, well, I, did, I, I have taught the Vandercook summer. Okay. Class. Do you have your master's degree? Uh, last I checked. Last you yes. checked. Okay. Where's yours from? Uh, the University of Massachusetts in, dare I say it, saxophone performance. Oh, okay. Right on. And mine was uh, yeah. mine was from Indiana University in mass. Uh, it was cur- curriculum and instruction, which is kind of like a broad category, but. Um, you know, I, I was lucky that I did my undergrad and then I did a year of grad school, but didn't finish my master's. Then I got my first teaching job and then I just had two classes to take. And I don't know who gave me that advice. Literally hand to God. I have no idea who gave me that advice, but whoever you are, thank you. (laughs) Cause it was so awesome. Right. I just had like two night classes to take. I already got a job because what they had told me was don't get a job don't try to get a job if you if you don't have any teaching experience, but you have a master's because people will be like, "Nah, you're too expensive. <laughs> uh, and I think it was great right. advice. So right. I got most of the way there and then I uh, was able to um, take a couple small classes. You, you know, though, Jeff, I would say I actually did the opposite. I did my undergrad. And when I was started looking for jobs, there wasn't one that I felt was right. And so I went straight into my master's degree and I'm so glad I did it. And I I, I, actually, one of my colleagues at the middle school right now, Adam Vernon Young, he did his undergrad in music theory yeah, and then his master's in education. And what I found is if you're good at what you do, people will find a way to hire you. I really think so. My bottom line is I don't think there's a wrong way get the master's is is really useful it really is it and and i gotta say it's financially lucrative yeah especially if you get it earlier in your career because it compounds you know nobody ever said teaching pays well but at least you start further to the right on the the spreadsheet earlier on and you know over the course of 10 years that can make a huge difference well, and then you go to the master's plus 30, yep. and that's another bump, or the doctorate. It's Again, hear us carefully. Am I trying to push you to get a master's degree? Uh, for, the, for the sake of having a master's degree, no. But for the sake of keeping you in education longer, yes. Yeah. I did learn a lot in my master's degree, though. I, I thought it was uh, – there, there were some classes that I was like, all right, I, everybody knows we have to just get through this. You know, like psychology yeah. of education, probably haven't used much of that. Um, maybe it was just a bad <laughs> professor, but <laughs> I haven't really That's accessed right. Piaget in a while. Um, <laughs> sociology education, well, eh, it was fine. But then there was there was a bunch of classes that, that were very helpful. And especially, you know, we didn't do like a, uh, I mean, it wasn't a dissertation. I think it was a thesis. But um, I think back to that, and I learned a lot doing that. I, I ruined into my master's degree in performance being very clear. I ultimately want to be a band director. Yeah. But I'm, I'm playing pretty well. I want to see how far this can go. And I felt like the better performer I was, the better my bands could be. And I, I would still hold to that. I'm not saying that great band directors are great players. That's not a completely correlational thing, a direct correlation. But I do think the more uh, accustomed you are to high-level, detailed exploration of performance, the better your bands can be. And that's what we're trying to do with all this professional development for people who hate professional exactly. development. Exactly. Yep. We're just trying to, to help you to, to get better. And, um, and don't get too frustrated on those days that you have to go through what everybody else in the school is doing. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to jump through a hoop. And that's where the time of I'm going to my happy mm-hmm. place and I'm going to check out for about, say, two hours 
<laughs> and you might just yeah, get okay. lucky and learn something, you know? You, you might, might. You might accident, as my mom would say, you might accidentally learn something. Professional learning communities. Enduring uh, understanding. Uh, what else yes. circled back around while I was there? Um, uh, response to instruction. Well, understanding by understanding. design. Understanding by design. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope I hope this has been helpful to everybody. And uh, Bobby, I'm glad you didn't get into an accident. We've never done this while you were driving before. <laughs> yeah, so. so far so good. I did look down and see that when I got really passionate about why we do what we do, I was at like 85 miles an hour. So thank, I, I wonder if the cop who pulled me over, I wonder if the cop who had pulled me over would be like, hey, wait a second. I'm finishing up a podcast right now. Can you give me like <laughs> five minutes? Then <laughs> the cuffs come out. Uh, exactly right. Good. Yeah. You're going to jail. Well, thanks, Bobby, and I uh, ho- hope everybody enjoyed this. Yeah, thanks to our listeners for keep you know, you keep coming back for more, and we really appreciate it. It means a lot. It makes us want to get better at what we're doing. We are by no means perfect, and this is not a highly polished uh, product. But this it's is a, amateur it's, hour. It's amateur yeah. hour, but it's sincere. And we hope that you can yes, hear that in what we're trying to do. Yep. Well, safe travels, Bobby, and for everybody listening, thanks for being here. And until next time, this has been That Band Life. <laughs>